Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with the scripture reading and a message. We would love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. If you are here in Berkeley, Epworth's worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 1953 Hopkins on the corner of Napa and Hopkins. Or if you connect with our podcast from further away, we would invite you to visit our website, epworthberkeley.org. We'd invite you to keep seeking to grow in faith and to stop by the next time you're in Berkeley. Scripture today is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17, 18, and 19. It's a reading from the letter to Timothy. And if you want to follow along in your pew Bible, uh, which is the New Revised Standard Version, it's on page 211 of the New Testament section. This is the Common English Bible. Tell people who are rich at this time not to become egotistical and not to place their hope on their finances, which are uncertain. Instead, they need to hope in God, who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Tell them to do good, to be rich in the good things they do, to be generous and to share with others. When they do these things, they will save a treasure for themselves that is a good foundation for the future. That they will save a treasure, that they, that way, that way, they can take hold of what is truly life. Holy wisdom, holy words, thanks be to God. For a gentle thoughts and mind, for a gentle thoughts and mind. Well, I'm wondering if you have seen these um, scooters 
that are around everywhere now that kind of they show up and they're on the especially downtown Oakland folks who are coming from Oakland there's a they're crazy a lot of them there is this the sidewalks in San Francisco um, especially like around Chrissy Field there's a lot of them and when my son John and I were doing a college tour over spring break we got we got done early at uh, USC because he actually decided he didn't want to do the whole tour so we wound up with some some time in the afternoon and we decided to go over to Venice Beach and so we parked and and literally like every 10 steps there was one of these scooters across the sidewalk that we had to step around and you know one response to that and I think a lot of people do have this response is annoyance because what you know it's like these things are new and it's not clear how they work. It's not clear who, who can use them or how you're supposed to use them or where they're supposed to be. But another response could be, hey, what are the possibilities of this thing? Actually, how far could this thing take me? So, um, so I, I have to admit, that wasn't my response. <laughs> but, but shortly after we, we got home, I came across this article that was written by a guy, and maybe some of you saw this, um, it was written by a guy who lives in San Francisco, and um, he looked at these scooters, and he did ask that question, that what if question. And he said to himself, what if I rode this thing as far as it would take me? So they're electric powered and you know when you, you have to get an app to use them and when you look at the app to locate one, it tells you how much charge the thing has. And um, so he, you know, he's thinking if I could find one that had a, you know, close to a full charge, maybe I could ride it all the way to freedom. So he looks at the, he looks at the uh, terms and the conditions on the Scooters app just to make sure there's nothing that's expressly prohibiting his idea. Um, he's worried, he writes in the article, he's worried that he might be dragged off to an e-prison. <laughs> and, and nothing seems to prohibit that, doing what he wants to do, to, you know, to explore and follow this what if that he has. It should be noted though, and I, and I checked this out, he wrote in the article and then I linked and looked at the, the rules myself. The, the rules do expressly prohibit, and I quote, directly or indirectly promoting racism, bigotry, hatred, or physical harm of any kind against any group or individual. So I appreciate that. There are some things, and these are examples of things that do need to be expressly prohibited. But, the, but his idea of what he wanted to do, just ride the scooter as far as it would go, wasn't expressly prohibited. So he planned his trip, and um, he was off. He found a scooter in the inner Richmond, and he headed through the Presidio, and then over the Golden Gate Bridge. And then once he got over the bridge, there was still charging scooter. So he thought, well, I'm just gonna keep going. So he kept going, he, he rides into the Marin Headlands, and the, the scooter is, is powered by kind of a throttle thing. So, so after a while, his thumb starts to hurt. You know, freedom, freedom sometimes costs, it hurts. But he kept, he kept going, he kept going, and then he passed a coyote who just kind of stared, made eye contact, like, what are you doing out here? This is my territory. And when he got close to the coast, there were some, there were some kids um, 
who thought he was like a YouTuber because he's filming this. And he said, no, I'm not. But they didn't believe him. They thought he was onto something. And so they began to follow him. And then finally, after 134 minutes on this scooter, he got to Rodeo Beach. And he decided he'd made it. He'd made it. He looked out at the ocean and beheld the majesty of the Pacific and the sun glistening on the water, which was his reward, as well as the satisfaction of having responded to this question he had of what if. And he enjoyed his version of freedom for that day. There's magic in this question of what if. We've all asked it many times, but we need to really think about what stops us from pursuing the answers to our what ifs. Is it fear or a sense of lack of resources or money or time? Are we afraid of losing what we do have if we follow where a what if leads? And what happens when we do jump in to our what ifs? Our scripture today comes from 1 Timothy, which is one of three pastoral letters that address a variety of emerging needs in the early church. Sometimes we may think of the early church as, uh, as, as persons who had very little financial resources, impoverished persons um, who were drawn to this, this message of, of, of community and possibility and transformed living. Um, but the scripture today opens with the words, tell people who are rich at this time not to become egotistical and not to place their hope on their finances. So this actually supports a different truth about the, early, the members of the early church. There were, there were actually a variety of, of economic backgrounds of the members of the early church. We know this not just the line, from the lines of 1 Timothy, which we heard this morning, but also from other accounts of early Christians, such as Erastus, who was the city treasurer of Corinth, or Chloe, who was also a Corinthian uh, and had employees working for her who helped to spread communications across the ancient Near East, or Priscilla and Aquila, who were Roman tent makers and hosted the Apostle Paul many times, or Phoebe, who is described as a benefactor of the church. So there was a range of folks in the church, and it seems like some of the Folks in the early church had some significant financial resources that were needed for the early church. It seems like one um, of the problems that the text for today is addressing uh, is that the church then, just like the church today, might, in, might take its energy and gaze not towards the outward care of the needy or the hope of sharing the good news, and inviting more and more persons into this transformed way of life, but that it would be, their gaze and their energy would be directed inwardly in the service of ego and a false sense of security based on their finances and their resources. And so the writer says to Timothy, coaching him in support of these new Christians, instead they need to hope in God who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Tell them to do good, 
to be rich in the good things they do, to be generous and to share with others. When they do these things, they will save a treasure for themselves that is a good foundation for the future. That way, they can take hold of what is truly life. They can take hold of what is truly life. In the last week, you should have received a letter in the mail from Epworth asking you to make a financial commitment in the year to come. And next week, you'll be invited uh, to place that commitment on the altar during the first hymn or to place it in the offering plate during the offering. And as October moves on, we'll begin the process of considering other forms of commitment uh, in service and in leadership. And as you prayerfully consider what commitments you will make, I want you to really dig in. I want to invite you to really entertain your what-ifs. The what-ifs of love and compassion and justice that spark hope in your hearts and bring tears to your eyes when you imagine them. I want you to hold those feelings when you have them and not push them away like we often do because we're busy or because we may have allowed cynicism to creep into our bodies because we may have been down a certain road before or we tried this or that before. But I want you to hold those feelings of hope and I want you to hold those tears that have connected with your hearts of, about what might be truly possible because this is a new day. What you've tried before and didn't work then can work now because we're a new community and this is a new day with new possibilities. I know that many of us live with tight budgets Living in the Bay Area is not easy. My own family will begin paying for nine years of college starting next year. <laughs> I'm glad you get out, see how daunting that is. These are, these are real considerations. But when I think of, of uh, what I hope for my children, and I think of those nine years, and I think of what I hope that they'll receive from college and education, community, a sense of responsibility, the ability to get employment upon graduation. I realize that from this church and the churches that they've been a part of, they've already received these things. Their ability and their capacity to love, to learn, to value that which has true value, to be persons of character, all of these things have been formed and fostered in the church. The blessing of being a part of church communities, and Epworth is certainly one of those, is, is that, the, that these things that I aspire to for them have already been supported, not just for the four or five years of college, but well beyond that. We've already asked a lot of what-if questions as a congregation. We've said, what if we could walk alongside a recent immigrant family and share what we have and support them while they become familiar with this country and deal with the legal challenges that they're facing? And then we said, what if we accompanied two families? And then we said, what if we accompanied even another family beyond that? And we said, what if we took our sanctuary work to the border and worked alongside those who are responding to the immediate traumas of the journey north 
And we did that. We've sent four teams to the border in the last 15 months. And we said, what if we expanded our summer camp program for kids, not just to include those kids, but to include a whole week of Peace Arts Camp for middle schoolers? And we did this too. And we said, what if we had a series of community concerts that brought the transcendent experience of exquisite music to anyone who wanted to hear it right here in our sanctuary? And we're about to start another year of that series of music. And we said, what if we started a ministry for older adults? We know that we are in a, a neighborhood that has a, a lot of folks who the demographers call silver sophisticates. <laughs> and we said, what if we, what if we recognize that the, the, the silver sophisticates actually sometimes are very, very lonely? And sometimes they're, they're very much in need of community. And that what if we realize that there are significant and specific health needs for this population? And so we developed an older adult ministry that offers Tai Chi and journeying together and intellectual, intellectually learning together and um, an, an engagement of spirituality through meditation and serving together. And we followed all of these what ifs and look what happened. Hundreds of people have been touched and have been embraced and have, as the scripture says, taken hold of what is truly life. So what are the what ifs that make up our courageous vision for Epworth in 2020? I'll tell you some of mine. I wonder what if we could make a dent in the terribly sobering statistics about the well-being of LGBTQ youth in our community. I wonder if we could train another 20 or more Epworthians to accompany even more families, three or four or five families who are in need of the love and the care and the journeying of this congregation. I wonder if we could take even more measures at, here at Epworth and in our own lives to curb our energy use, usage and support more climate-friendly changes in our physical plant like a charging station outside or solar power. I wonder if we could get closer to net zero or even consider what that might look like and start to measure our progress towards that goal. What if through advocacy and action we could finally bring into fruition, a transformed church that has a deep and abiding commitment not just to full inclusion and justice for LGBTQIA persons, but also addresses the structural and historic inequities in our denomination around race and gender and ability and geography and ethnicity. I long for a church that has the courage to lead by acknowledging its own need for repentance and reparation and reconciliation. And I long for a church that is salvation, real and transformed life for persons who feel like their lives are over or their lives are worthless, persons who are deeply in need of community. Last year we added 18 members and this year we've added 19 members. What if that number was 50 or even 100? My hope is that we could reach so many more people who need to hear God saying, I don't mind 
that you feel like your life is in pieces because I put pieces back together. In fact, it's my specialty. I want you to give to Epworth next year, not just because we need to keep the lights on. And this morning we actually learned that we can gather and be a church even if we don't have lights on any particular Sunday. But I want you to give because we have so much we can do together, so much we need to do together. And I know that in our giving to follow where the what-ifs lead us, that God will be with us, God will guide us, and God will grow in us. The old Latin origins of the word prosperity draw from the root pro, which means for, and spice, which means hope. So the word prosperity then can be rendered according to one's hopes. My hope for Epworth is that together in the way that we give and show up and serve and love and reach out, we can take hold of what is truly life. Amen.